seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trail. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is the Chinese are down here. Here's the snowboarders together on a run. You're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer. Ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today's March 7th, 2023. We're recording in Hirschdale, California, in the Truckee Overhead Door Skunk Works. It's a, a boomy room because we're in a workshop. Powbot, welcome up? back. Good to see you, man. Hat trick of an episode number three. Here we are. It's been two weeks, but there's, I think there's a little reason why we didn't get together for a week. We took a week off because I think we were all either buried in snow or we were playing in it or shoveling it. Yeah. One I, of the three things. We've been trying to record on Tuesdays. Yeah. And if you recall, but Tuesday last week was the day when it just started nuking. Uh, it was the day that Squaw called Interlodge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I heard about that. You that doesn't happen too often. I right? think that was a first. Like, you couldn't go outside. It was not safe to be outdoors on Tuesday. I've never heard of that happening before. Is that a first? Like... So it happens at Alpine ever since the 82 accident, and then it happens all the time at, at Snowbird and Elta. I know, but yeah, so they that's pretty common that's, in the Cottonwoods. Yeah. yeah, it's common there, and, it's, you know, and that's kind of like the, the, like the rad thing when you can catch it. You know, I've been there before. I had friends call me. They're like, hey, the inner lodge is happening. So everybody like gets up there in the middle of the night and then you can catch the resort on the next day with no one there. But the squat situation was a little bit different. Like I think they were just worried about all the people in the village and potentially something going. And it did. You know, there was a slide down off tram face that broke into a whole bunch of apartments and, and covered some girls sleeping in her bed. Yeah. That was wild. That was Tuesday last week. Well, so a lot's happened since the last time we talked with our guests. And uh, we're going to, today's episode is just all about the last two weeks because it's been historic. The amount of snow that has fallen in Tahoe and Truckee, even down in Reno, um, it's been mayhem. And there's a lot of stories that have come out over these last two weeks. And so tonight, our guest, uh, we were trying to think of someone who's been around a while. You know, somebody yep. who's been in Tahoe for a few years and has seen a number of winters. And uh, our guest tonight, we are at his workshop in Hirschdale, Scott Kessler. Welcome to Mind the Track. Thanks, Kurt, for having me on and, and Palbot. Uh, it's great to be here with you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Trail Whisper's new friend of mine and uh, Palbot and I go back uh, many, many years and I'm Glad to see the enthusiasm he has for being in the backcountry. Uh, reminds me of myself in my younger days. Yeah, nice. Right on, Scott. Well, thanks for having us at your, uh, your workshop here. It's pretty rad. He's got like, uh, for those who are listening and not watching, it's a, a big, huge workshop with all these rad custom garage doors. Scott uh, builds and you know creates these beautiful garage doors for custom homes in Tahoe and Truckee. And then at the front of his giant garage, he has three super rad snowmobiles. 
Um, three, why three? Well, because you need a pair and a spare. <laughs> you're just buying uh, expensive machines to bounce off trees, but you know, make some clean runs once in a while. No, the reason you need a pair and a spare is because you got to have one to ride, and you got to have one to work on, whether you're putting jewelry on it, high-performance parts, stuff like that. And then you got to have a spare in case something happens and you've got to work on the one you've been riding and you're still working on the one you work on. <laughs> God, it's an expensive sport. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't advise going down. But no, actually, I keep one sled for, for skiing off of and the other two are just for boondocking, performance riding. Kurt, uh, we were chatting before you showed up tonight, and I was telling him how I'm still a virgin to the snowmobile world. And Scott just looked at me blankly and was like, don't do it. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I don't regret getting into it. Scott has actually been my, um, my mentor in snowmobiling. He's taken me out on several occasions, and he's helped broken me into big mountain riding, which is really cool. And, um, you know, that, that first episode where I talked about, you know, getting totally broken off and the throttle sticking and all mm -hmm. that, that was a big epic day with Scott, um, out above Independence Lake on Carpenter Ridge. That was so super did, cool. did you blame him for the mistake or not? Oh God, no, okay, good. no, 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 no. It was funny because he, he kept like, so we like left the parking lot and we started, you know, it was so deep and good. We were like ripping pow turns like a mile from the truck. Plus, which, we're the first ones in there. There were no no tracks to follow or anything. It was just a clean sheet of paper. Yeah, totally. Day. And we just kept like the goal was to get to the ridge on Carpenter, like overlooking you know uh, Independence Lake. Mm -hmm. And um, so we just kept going up, and we were getting higher, and it was getting deeper, and I was getting more tired, and I was getting more stuck, and it was getting more side hilly. <laughs> You know, and Scott's like, we're almost there, man. We're almost there. I'm like, I'm almost blown. Like, I'm like, my body is getting weak. My mind is getting weak, you know, but we, we persevered, man. And we pushed to the top and the view was epic. And, and then Scott's like, all right, it's three o'clock. We should probably start heading home because stuff always happens on the way back. <laughs> and sure as hell, man, like I got the most stuck of all during the entire day. So it took like 45 minutes to dig out of that one. And then, and then later is when the throttle stuck. And that was like, so do you guys bring the same Abby shovel that you, or do you guys have better shovels for getting unstuck? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Same. You, you want a good shovel of your skiing and you want a good shovel of your sledding. You don't want a plastic shovel. Yeah. So sure. So you're, I mean, the, the standard now is yeah. a good metal Nice shovel. aluminum. Aluminum metal shovels. But metal you're not carrying two. You're not carrying a different shovel to, to dig out a sled. No, but so, some people do carry two. Like, But you always want your shovel in your pack in case you lose your sled. You know, you don't want to be without your shovel. So I yeah. know some people that ride with two shovels, one in their pack, a little bit smaller one, and then a, a bigger one strapped onto the tunnel okay. of their sled. That makes sense. Yeah, on deep days, like the other day... Um, my buddy Jordan and I did some uh, sledding out in Dog Valley, which is like three miles from my place in Verdi. It's right in the backyard. And it was insanely deep. Like That was one of your stories that yeah, you put up? Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. Insane. It looked insane. It was ridiculous. And I brought a huge snow shovel, just like one of those big metal snow shovels that you use for shoveling your driveway. I just yeah. strapped it to the back of my sled because 
and Jordan brought his and I'm glad we did because there were a couple times we were so buried that like it would have taken three, two to three times as long to dig out with like your regular ski shovel yeah. than with one of those big ass snow shovels. Yeah. Well, I'll bring up this where I've been skiing this the last two weeks. The shovel's pretty mandatory and it's been pretty funny for, for me to be down there and actually see other people rock up on the scene and, and they don't have a shovel. You know, and we've gotten to the, I mean, there was even, are you talking about parking? Just yeah, digging out just, parking so spots. We've had to, we've had to be, we've had <laughs> oh to be God. digging out a parking spot so that we could get off the road properly and not tick off the plow drivers because where I like to ski, it's essential that, that we're out of the way so that those guys can do their work. Yeah. And, and the, the program down there is, is that if you can't park, you have to dig a spot on the and, West shore. Yeah. I don't like to say where I like to ski, but you know, it's a topic we can talk the West about. Shore of Pyramid Lake. Yeah, the way, yes, thank you. Uh, and <laughs> you know, you have to bring, yeah, like we're, we're rocking up with two or three people and everyone's got a really good grain scoop shovel and we'll properly put our car off the road and, and, and then go in from there. But I, I did witness some people without shovels and you know, they're just trying to like, you know, smash their car into a bag. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of give them, give them the sign of being like, Hey, like you need to get out and do some work, buddy. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's, you know, I think just in general, like when you're cruising around in these kind of cycles, like you should be prepared, have a shovel, have some water, have some food. Yeah. Like what about the guy down in, out in Nevada? Uh, you I think you told me about the dude and then I, oh, I, I yeah, ran into yeah. it a little bit, but there was an 81 year old guy driving his car through, he was trying to get down 395 because it's been closed now for a week and he took an alternate route through central Nevada and ended up on a deserted road that hadn't been maintained and got stuck. And spent six days in his car. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is with people. I mean, and around Todd, the crazy thing is, is as soon as they say Interstate 80 is closed, everybody just heads for the interstate. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why people. If I got that news, I would be on the phone calling work, going, "Hey, I got a motel room. I'm snowed in. I'm. I'm not coming in till this is over." Yeah. But for some reason, everybody that's up here heads for the interstate. It's closed. We have like three, four roads in Truckee. Basically, we have you know Donner Pass Road, um, Highway 89, Glenshire Drive, and they just all become a parking lot. Yep. And then nobody could get around. Local, you can't get to work. People can't get their kids to school. Well, I think it's a, a big old si- flare, flare signal that maybe goes up, and you know, 80 closes, and everyone's like, "Oh, the skiing's good." <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, is yeah. that the sign? But like. You know, I, 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 I've been fascinated by the fact that like, you know, BA is our, you know, local snow forecaster that everybody follows and Brian Allegretto yeah, and from open snow, open snow yeah. you know, they, everybody is subscribing to his, 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 his subscription now. And I, it feels like he's almost turned into like a road forecaster. <laughs> Instead of being a snow forecaster, well, like he, he, he does, does do the he does, I know, forecast. but that's yeah, yeah, I know he does, but it's like, yeah. but so much of it, what he's talking about now is I think trying to help educate people on like, you know, because we look, here's the thing, like we've all been playing this game up here for a long time, especially Scott, How, you know, when, what was your first season here, Scott? Uh, 76, 77 was my first wow. season. I he, came to Truckee. I was 17 years old. You've been here as long as I've been alive, bro. Nice work. Yeah, he's... I... <laughs> but, you know, it, I-80 forecasting is easy. I could do it, you know. 
You tell right. me it's going to snow, and I'll tell you the road's going to close. <laughs> it's that easy. It's yeah. that simple. That's kind of like Palisades Tahoe now. You know, we all joke now that when it snows, they close. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a it, good rhyming uh, tagline there. Didn't it used to be like that, though? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I'd love for you to just sort of dive in a little bit on like some of the heyday stories of of, of the valley, and, and and you skied at Alpine a lot too back in the day. Mostly squaw. Okay. Mostly squaw, but you know, so I when I first showed up here, I, I was the first director of freestyle at Squaw Valley. Can I say that word? Yeah. yeah. Can I use those you two can. words? I'm a graduate of the academy, so it's on my high school diploma, but I'd say I'm totally okay with it. And, uh, and then after that, you know, and that was, those were good years. And, oh, man, it, you know, and it wasn't that crowded, but days when KT was a double, and mm -hmm. if you skied nonstop, you were lucky. They were 40-minute chair rides. You'd be lucky to get eight runs in in a day, mm -hmm. back in the day. And then I... Uh, I took a job in the parking lot, working as a parking lot attendant, which was a great job because we would work, you know, six to, you know, eight or so, you know, or six to 10 and ski all day. And those were incredible days back in, and knew all the guys on patrol. And yeah. I had good times going, hey, can I go up on the Palisades, help you knock the snow off the signs before you open it? <laughs> Yeah, sure, come along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to ski some amazing stuff. But one of my first years there, I was when I just getting used to the place, and we rented a, an apartment in a house where a guy was a ski patrol. And one morning he goes, hey, you want to go out early with me after they do AC? Meet me over at the Red Dog Lift. And I go over there, and he's there. Nobody else is there. He gets on the radio gets an okay from Avalanche crew, turns on the lift, we ride the lift, ski down Oli Lady, gets on the radio, asks if it's clear, turns on the lift, we go up the oh. lift, I just yo-yoed, he got me up to the top of the mountain by you know, nine o'clock, I'd had like four or five runs in by the time they opened it to the public. It was, oh, those, those are, are awesome memories. days, that yeah, stuff doesn't memories. go on anymore. No, it does not. <laughs> well, they do early ups now, but I don't know. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Personal tour. When did you start teleskiing? I started teleskiing about 1980, 81. Okay. And that was a great time, too, because nobody was doing it. People don't do it much anymore. No, they're dinosaurs. I got a couple friends still on them, and I, I love riding with them because it's such a beautiful form of skiing. I love that turn. Yeah, I, me too. Even on the groomed, like on hard pack, just throwing your hip into a giant telly turn and just getting both edges to bite like one. Yep. So cool. But yeah, 80, 80, 81, and I was working in the parking lot, and I came... It all started after my second knee operation. I stopped alpine skiing. I, I was going to give it up, and I walked in. There was a little shop in Tau City run by this guy whose name was Hermas. And I walk into the shop, and I'm looking at the cross-country gear because I was going to quit alpine skiing, and I was going to take up 
the safe sport of cross-country skiing. And I'm looking at the skis and everything, and I'm looking at the boots, and I see these skis are Fisher Europa 99s, and they're the only ones that had metal edges. And I go to the guy, I go, well, what's, uh, what's with these skis here with the metal edges? Because those are, those are Telmark skis. I had no idea what a Telmark turn was. And I go, kind of scratch my, mm, okay, yeah, Telmark skis. What's, uh, what do you use those for? Well, you can climb up the mountain and ski down. And I was like, light bulb went off. I was like, whoa, you, you can just climb up any mountain without a chairlift and just ski it? Yeah, and I'm looking at the other equipment, and so I see these boots, and they're a little bit higher than all the rest, and they have like one buckle on them. I go, well, what's with these boots here? He goes, oh, those are mountaineering boots. Those are the boots you want for those skis with the metal edges. And I go, well, that sounds like the kind of cross-country skiing I'd be interested <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I love it. <laughs> oh, what a great birth story to tell you skiing. That's awesome. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I show up in the, you know, in the parking lot after work with these. I'm going to go up on the mountain and try these things. And a couple of the other guys that were working there, these guys were river guides. They'd come up from Kernville to spend a winter. And they had some skis, too. So we started telly skiing. You started telling. You know, just... And I remember, like, just East Broadway, Bailey's Beach, and the big day when I thought, hey, you guys, what do you guys think? Think we're ready for Shirley? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dropping nice. in. All the way. You know, and, and the bindings, we, we put safety straps on the bales because you'd get down in a hard turn, and, you know, the equipment wasn't there for the... The pressures we were putting mm -hmm. on it, the bale would just, you'd be making a turn, boing, the bale would just go flying and your boot would come out. <laughs> but, you know, finally, the, you know, the gear started catching up. We were getting better. And before I knew it, I was skiing the same stuff on tele skis that I was skiing on my Alpine skis when I stopped. And the evolution, I mean, having buckles and plastic was a, was amazing transformation. But mm -hmm. the first few times being up on top of the Palisades, my, myself, um, Chris Delumier and Bryce Bennett's father, Stanley Bennett, being up there on top of the Palisades and going, looking down national, going, oh, this looks kind of gnarly. I better tighten my laces. <laughs> <laughs> You're up there in leather boots and laces. It's good to have plastic. It's like playing tennis with wooden rackets. You're just like, yeah. Old technology, but that's rad. Well, it's great to have you with us tonight, and I, and the perspective I think you're going to be able to provide is going to be super insightful, just with what we're looking at, um, with weather and with the snowfall and the snowpack, um, and all the craziness that's been going on. And one question I had for you is like, as a as a business owner here in Tahoe, um, especially working with houses you know, what are the, what are the main dangers that we're starting to see in a winter like this with so much snow and hazards? Well, there's the snow on the roofs is a big one, you know, curling over, sliding off. I mean, people can get buried 
outside their house, you know, the roof releases as the, you know, the house is warming up or we get a day where it's warm and you have all that snow on the roof, it could definitely come down. Even sh you have a lot of people out shoveling the roofs right now yep. and you've got to be careful. You could be on that roof and it can let go. Yeah. And you could get seriously hurt. Yeah. What are the, what are some of the uh, risks that people take by not shoveling their roof off? Like, do you have to? I mean, like at what point, like I noticed we're in Hirschdale and Hirschdale where you live is in just downstream from Truckee. Um, it's considered the banana belt. It doesn't snow as much here, but driving in here tonight, I was blown away. There's like five foot walls on the side of the road. Your roof has like six to eight feet of snow on it. At what point is it wise to shovel it? If you've got ice dams, you should shovel your roof. Right now we have a big atmospheric river headed our way and we have fresh snow on top of old snow and that fresh snow, if you don't get it off, it's gonna be like a sponge. If this rain comes in and gets in there, there's gonna be a lot of weight on your roof. Water weights a lot. You know, think about what a five gallon bucket weighs. Yeah. And all that rain that's going to come down is just going to sit on yeah. people's roofs on soaked snow. Uh, so I, I shoveled, I finally got to it and shoveled my roof yesterday. It took three hours and did it. Yeah. Like your video, you put, Palbot posted a video of the season's snowpack on his roof. <laughs> he was going the through the layers. The breakdown snow. of the winter. Awesome. Yeah. That was pretty good. Eh? Yeah. Uh, snow, snow pit on the roof. Yeah. It was a roof. Yeah, it was a roof pit. He tagged the Sierra Avalanche Center. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned ice dams. Explain what an ice dam is. Well, it's the heat is passing through your roof and melting the bottom layer of snow. Right? And at the eave, where the overhang is, so we have cold air on below it and above it from the snow, where it's you know not over the living space. You know the snow's melting over the living space, running down to the eave and freezing. And then that ice is growing and getting taller. And that creates a dam towards the rest of the water melting, starts running up underneath the shingles if you have a comp shingle roof. Mm -hmm. If you have a metal roof, you're better off and those are usually sliding, the snow can slide off. But this is such a big winter, the snow can only slide off till it's up to the roof mm -hmm. on the outside of the house and then it's holding yeah. the snow. Yeah. Yeah. That used to happen to us at Downer Lake at our house there. It would, it would, it would dump up to a second story sort of level. And then I would have to start shoveling that snow to make it so that more snow could slide off the roof. Yeah. The snow's and got to have some place to go. And that's sort of this, you know, this, the circle of that, that you get involved in, in a cycle like this is we're all just trying to maintain and st you know, yeah, the way I see it is, it's just, there's there's two ways. You're either staying on top of your game and you're there, or if you if you're not, then you're behind. And when you start getting behind in a cycle like this, it, it can it can catch you. Well, there's no recovery. I mean, yeah, it's there's no like, recovery. It's just going to keep coming. Yeah, it's like plowing a road. If you don't stay on top of plowing a road, I mean, you look at those, you know, you look at those walls, those snow walls, right? Like they're ten to twelve to fifteen to twenty feet high. If you're not constantly plowing that road. And then you suddenly show up two months later and you think you're going to plow 20 feet of snow, yeah, you're no. done. You, there's no way. It's not going to happen. Well, I seem to notice there, there tends to be two types of people in Tahoe, the way they manage their snow. 
there's shovelers and there's packers. And a year like this, the shovelers, they definitely yep. win. You, know, you can get by <laughs> if it's a drought yeah. year. If it's a drought year, you could get by as a packer. And these people, they don't shovel. They just pack, they just pack such, the snow down. They go over insight. it. They just go over it, keep on packing it down. I was talking to someone the other day that that was his, he was like, I just gave up and started snowshoeing my path. Yeah. and packing it down yeah. and then like a little more would come on top of it and then he would just shovel that but he it was he lived in alpine and he was to the point where because of the 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 pathway was so was so deep yeah. that every time he would shovel it and that and there was wind and then it, w- it was like even if we were only getting a foot of snow every day it, the whole thing would fill up with four feet of snow yeah and so he was just like ah, i'm just gonna pack it <laughs> he's a packer yeah it's like <laughs> in my younger days when i lived at donner lake and I was fortunate that I lived on a private road because we could park on the side of it because I had a driveway that was so steep that it was really almost impossible to get up. Of course, I didn't own a snowblower at the time. And I didn't have a couch either. And my friends would come over and go, well, why don't you have a couch? I go, well, you know, couches are kind of expensive and it's either you got to make choices in life, right? It's either a couch or a season pass. And I go, you know, if I don't have a season's pass, then I need a couch because I'll be home all the time. If I got a season's pass, I got no use for a couch. I'm out skiing yeah, all the time. And that way, some bro bra can't come come crash on your couch. That's right. Yeah. You, yeah. No. Well, I gotta say, for all the all the Tahoe folks out there that are not that are not packers, that you know, the best way to deal with this is just put some tunes on and do the shovel dance. Maybe we should talk about the different types of shovels. Because you, you, know, you need you, a slew of them. You need a quiver. You do. You, there's the scoop, you yep. know, which is good for soft snow, but you got to be careful. You can't you can't jam it into packed snow and pry because it's going to break. Yeah. Then you need steel shovels. Those are the ones. The large can, grain scoop. Yeah. There's a large grain scoop. There's a steel shovel. There's a square steel shovel for chipping ice and you know carving steps. You know, once the snow gets this yep. deep, you know you got to you got to carve steps in it. And then what about a chippy chippy? Yeah, yeah, the ice chipper. You gotta have a chippy chippy. Ice chipper. <laughs> and like I like when you said scoop, chippy, you're, are you referring to the big blue scoop? Because I've I, I well, I've had one of those. Forever. There's the super scoop. That's the yeah. super scoop. I super the, scoop. Yeah, the, the drain scoop. Yeah, yeah, you need to need the pusher. All right, so let's let's recap on this because like I, this is something I've always, I have wanted to talk about on this podcast. The quiver, so, the yeah, shovel yeah, quiver, the, dude. The shovel quiver is deep for me. So I have a blue scoop. I have the big scoop, blue scoopy. Yep. Got one. Just like. Scott said, then you have a metal shovel for, you know, a good, a good solid metal shovel. And then you have a, a grain scoop. I have a, I actually have two grain scoops. I have a plastic grain scoop and then a large metal grain scoop. And then you have a chippy chippy. And then I have a 92800 snowblower and I pay for plowing. And I have all of the above. I've got the 928 and I pay for plowing and I've got a Bobcat skid steer with a blower on it. Dude, you got me. You will one up me, bud. <laughs> You needed it. Have you, you needed need it, it much? all? You need it all. Have you needed the Bobcat much? Like like in previous years? I, I needed it. I first got it when I lived at Donner Lake. That okay. was that was when I first started doing my driveway. And out here, I I use it for cleaning up around the cars. You know, we have some trailers and getting to the trailers. And there's some areas that the driveway contract doesn't take care of. Like I do the first 20 feet in front of the shop. I do some extra parking for the guys. The driveway contract just gives me two spots in the driveway. My driveway is like a quarter mile long. And I, I can do it with the Bobcat. It's just that I, 
want my wife to be able to get out of them, not around. And machinery yeah. breaks down. Sometimes, it, you know, your Bobcat has some issues. I want the driveway to get plowed. Yeah. Speaking of things breaking down, I think that's that's been a real thing here lately. I had a friend uh, who's a fire captain here in Truckee, and they share information. Caltrans sh- shares information with them. You know, mm-hmm. CHP, by the way, then they're... Their Instagram posts lately have just been all time. On fire. It's so good. Incredible. Yeah. They're uh, good. They've got a good sense of humor. They too. have a great sense of humor. But, you know, the, the, there's a fair bit of information, you know, being shared with all them because if they're, they're dealing with emergency services and making sure that, you know, they can help people. But the one statistic that I found really interesting this week that I heard was that Caltrans has 30 of those large blowers. The, the big ones that you know 30 30 just for like just, in total or just along total I-80? so just that so it's for i was told it was from you know basically state line nevada to where snow line is you know which this year is down in auburn but you know they they're using those you know a plethora of machines just like how we have a clear, but long 80 just a long 80 they 30 of them. total okay and yeah. that's there you know those are essential now because right now you know, we, we, they're losing the ability to move snow. They have to have those blowers to, to widen the road. That's why 80 is turning into a one or two lane situation at right, times. Right. And then the blower can come and widen it. Right. But they, they're, they're down, from, they're from 30 to nine. Oh, wow. They've all broken. They've all broken. They all broke shear pins. Oh, and, wow. And, you know, and we, as a, as a Honda snowblower owner, like I can relate to that. Like I started yeah, yeah. my, I started my season with 12 shear pins and I'm down to three. <laughs> <laughs> and so for them, I mean, they're just going through the exact same situation. And like, I'm sure they're just scrambling to, the mechanics are working over time. Everyone's oh, trying, yeah. they're trying to get parts, but like, that's a big reason why 80s kind of teetering on, on not functioning well is that every, everyone's behind. Yeah, well, it, up in Tahoe, Donner, so my neighbor in Verdi, he's like one of the head crewmen for uh, Elements Mountain Company, which is the company that has the <laughs> snow removal contract for Tahoe Donner. I saw him get out of his truck the other day, man, and I just, just like, I shouted across the street, you know, how you holding up, buddy? And he looked at me with like this thousand yard stare. He's just like, if I never see snow again, it'd be too soon. He was just so, you could tell, he was just worn the heck out. And, um, and so I was like, what's going on up there? He's like, it's carnage, man. He's like, it's carnage. Decks are falling off of houses. Windows are shattering. Like, you know, there's internal flooding damage from ice dams. And like, you know, kitchens are going to have to be completely remodeled. And, you know, we're just, we're running out of places to put snow because it's been so cold that normally these snow piles, they start to compress and compact over time. Yeah. But they're just getting taller and taller and taller. And we just don't have any place to put it. And, um, so it, and he's like, and I don't think people are going to really fully grasp the extent of the damage until the snow starts melting out in the summer, you know, <laughs> in the summer, I don't even like, this is going to be a while. When is this going to end? So it's going to be a while. April 1st is when, you know, this snowpack generally reaches its peak right. here in the Sierras is April 1st. And uh-huh. we're now just inching into March. Yeah. which can be a big month for us. It can be our biggest. It could, yeah, historically can be a big, you know, Miracle I don't think if we got a big winner this year, people are going to be calling it Miracle March. <laughs> We're going to call it Murder March. <laughs> Disaster March or something. I don't know. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the, some of the statistics I dove into, this, was a, this has been an interesting year because a lot of the big years in Tahoe... Uh, you know, I think, you know, Scott was here for a lot of them, but, you know... the 
we've had a lot of big ones even in just the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, we have. But yeah. 10, 10, 11 was huge. 10, and 11, when uh, my wife lived at, at Donner Lake, we were climbing up to pull, to dig out the power line and the cable, which was attached to her house at a second story because it was in the snow. We had that much snow in between. She was, you know, right on a main road between the the town plowing snow and and I could barely get the snow up off the deck to the top of the snow bank with a Honda 928. Hmm. That was a big winter. But, yeah. you know, looking at that winter, it was, that was a big winter. It was it's 678 inches total. And it, it came hard. Like it was 100 plus inches in November. 678 measured where? Uh, Who, what the, where was that? Tally 678 is, the, is at Palisades Tahoe. Okay. That's what Palisades Tahoe was claiming was their total, uh, probably at their upper snow stake, mm -hmm. you know, wherever they're measuring on the upper mountain yep. for that year. But it was, if you look at the statistics here, which is I think we're, we might break that year because we're still not done with this. We've got a ton lined up in, uh, coming up here in March. Yeah. But in 10-11, we had over 100 inches in November, December, and then we had a total dry January, and then there was two more months of over 100 inches with March being 215, which was, that's huge. Yeah. And then for us, we're, we're, we're in this string of where we're, there's never been, at least since 2000, 2001, there's never been a year where there's three long, three big months in a row. Yeah. It's always, there's always been a month break or it's been a big month and, or something else is like given, there's a break thrown in the mix, yeah. but this year it's been bam, 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 three months in a row. And then now we're, we're actually going to have a fourth big month. And from what I read too, that this is the coldest winter in Tau city at the, that station in, since 1950. Yeah, that I would believe that man, it has been, it's been cold. incredibly cold. And the, I mean, it's evidence that the, the snow's just not melting. I mean, even down in Reno and like where we live in Bird Eye, um, snow's hanging around when normally, like I was just looking at pictures from last year on my phone, we were building trail. Like we were building trail in the backyard in late February, early March. And right now you couldn't touch that. I mean, it's under, some of it's under six feet of snow. So it's been exceptionally cold this past winter. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, Palbot, I think that uh, we need to talk a little bit about some of these uh, wild and wacky stories that we've been hearing with well, the I, storms. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I'll, I'll start just with one quick one because you brought up the Elements Plow Driver guy. Yeah. And, you know, this, was, this is kind of a sad thing because, like, when you're telling that story, the only thing that's going through my mind is that someone needs to just buy that man a beer and, and make his day. And, totally. And, and you know, I was... I was at my local watering hole, Incline Spirits, and in, in Incline, I'll give them a shout out. Uh, a great place to go have a beer after backcountry skiing up on Rose or, or, or mountain biking in the summertime. But one of my buddies that, that I hang out with down there has been doing snow removal for a condo complex, and he just hasn't been supported. He hasn't had the right gear. And, you know, I just saw the look. I saw that thousand yard stare in his eye. Mm -hmm. I think he'd had a few beers. And I went and talked to the gal running the front desk, and I was like, hey, how many beers did Adam had? You know, what's, what's Adam's tab today? And, you know, he'd had a few beers and I was like, hey, put that on my tab today. And it meant the world to him. But I, I had, on the flip side of that, I had someone tell me a story about how they were in a doctor's office and they were listening to someone getting their exam and the person being, the, the, the other person was telling a story about how 
there's no person was there's like elements wasn't doing a good enough job for them and she was keeping a journal and writing down everything about how bad of a job they were doing and she's documenting it all because she needs wants to complain mm -hmm. and i'm thinking like if she's going through all of that trouble to keep a journal to be a karen like yeah. what if she just took that and bought that guy a beer yeah. or like baked him some cookies. Right. And, and I think that everybody out there right now that has a snowplow driver or has someone in their life that's helping them with their snow, bake him some cookies, yeah. make him a cake, do something nice for him because that's what, that's like, it'll go a long ways in this world right now for us all in Tahoe. Yeah. Even just being considered of these, yeah. these guys that are running the machines and making sure you're not leaving stuff in your yard, shovels, stuff that get lost in the snow or these guys pick up stuff in their equipment and it it shuts them down for a day yeah, break eight a hours pin. break a shear pin on yep. i mean just putting your cars together right next to each other so it makes it easy to plow you want to make they have a hard job you want to make it easy for them yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, but get, get, get ready to have your car cleaned off so that when your plow guy shows up, you can move your car out of the way quickly and, they're, and they can they can get about their day faster. Yeah. You know, I try to have that dialed for when my plow guy comes. I have my car started and warmed up. He, he usually keeps a pretty regular schedule, and I know when he's coming. It's And it's great because it works with my schedule. I'm out the door at 6 to ski, sometimes earlier. And he's, he usually shows up right when I'm loading my gear up and I'm, and I'm able to move the car, and boom, he gets his business done. Yeah. Yeah, I just have a spot where I consolidate the cars and and leave two spots with no vehicles in them. And yep. he plows those right by the house, and I move the cars back when he's done. Tail Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103. Give us a call. Tell us what you got for sale today. Hey, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Tony Turbo down there in East Sandwich. Hey, I got this uh, big ag knees tree person tent here. Uh, definitely doesn't fit tree people. Went camping with the wife. What can I say? She hates camping, so it's for sales, okay? Used only once. Because I'm a good fella, be honest. It's got a wee-wee stain in it from my old dog, Rocky. Okay? 200 bones, it's yours. We'll trade for a decent lawnmower. Call me at one 2 3 4 5 6 7 All right! Tony Turbo and East Sandwich has a not-a-three-person tent with a wee-wee stain for sale. $200 or trade for a lawnmower. Ring them up at one 2 3 4 5 6 There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer -peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Well, speaking of not plowing and carnage, that I will say that one of the, my favorite things that I did see, which I think it was 
super sort of indicative of the whole situation in Tahoe right now was the viral video from Ski Run in South Lake. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so you know, you, you had people you had people walking up Ski Run Boulevard. You had people skiing down Ski Run Boulevard. You had snowboarders. I'm not sure what that person was doing, but they were there. And then you had a Tesla in the mix. And then you had someone in a Jeep thinking that they were just going to charge up the hill that then slid out and kept sliding out and then giving it gas and sliding out more. And then eventually just slid into the Tesla and then just carnage ensued. It was like, <laughs> it was, there, there have been a, a few of those videos actually. There was this one the other day that I saw that was a Jeep. The other one that I saw was a Land Rover, but the one with the Jeep, it just, it was like this slow motion train wreck. It just kept rolling down the sliding down this hill and it bumped every, literally every car that it could bump into, it ran into. It must've hit six different cars on its way down this hill, just four wheel sliding in like in slow motion and everyone's videoing it. Like, oh, he's going to get, oh, oh, there's another one. Oh, oh there's another, oh. Oh. A little automotive ping pong. Oh. It's been, it's been, uh, you know, I usually, you know, read magazines and books a lot, but man, on a, in a winter like this, I'm just, I'm like a social, I'm, I'm just on like Facebook, you know, like the CHB Truckee page and like the Truckee Tahoe road conditions page and like the weather apps and like, you know, it's also good open snow. And I'm just, I'm trying to find all the crazy carnage and like, you know, the videos that people are filming as they're like driving around town. Cause it's just, it's crazy right now out there. There's a car over by Napa in front of somewhere by the hospital that someone was telling me about that had been abandoned and the plow guys just eventually just plowed, just plowed it in. And then one of them wisely got out and took a can of spray paint and just spray painted the word car on the side of the snowbank. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let everybody know that there's a car in there. So down in Verdi, um, there's a road called Hen you know Dog Valley Road, Hennis Pass Road. And historically, this road has always been a mess because anytime Interstate 80 closes, going towards Truckee from Reno, there's only one way to Truckee from Reno, and that's pretty much it. No, no, Dog Valley Road. <laughs> but when I-80's closed, up until this year, right, Waze and Google and Apple and Maps and all these mapping softwares are telling people that Hennis Pass is a, is a secondary route, which it is not. And so, and this has been a thing for a while, but these past couple of years, it's gotten particularly bad, right? Like just 20, 30 abandoned cars up this road because people think they can just go the back way. And it's like, I don't know what part of someone's brain doesn't register that the further you go up this one and a half lane road, the deeper the snow gets that you think it's gonna, is it gonna get better? It's not gonna get better. It's just gonna get deeper and more narrow and you're gonna get more stuck, right? But people think, oh no, it's a back way because my GPS says it is, right? Death by GPS. Yeah, it's, this, not, it's not plowed here, but I'm sure it's plowed it's up it. ahead. Right, yeah, exactly, right? You're just gonna pop out of the woods and that's, that's where like, it's gonna be that's plowed. That's like thinking if you're floating down a river that it's going to loop back to where you started. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, it, it will. Totally. It will in squat. <laughs> Palisades. <laughs> they put the river in the Palisades and it'll loop back to where you started. <laughs> well, I think that's what the new gondola, is that what the new gondola does? <laughs> oh God. It, well, so let's, while we're on, oh, yeah, I want to go, I want to touch on this one story I was going to tell, week. but let's, since we're talking about the gondola, 
That was another carnage story. Well, yeah. So the I, base to base, the brand new base to base, sixty-six million dollar, one hundred sixty-six million dollar gondola. What happened to it? So I, it, I, I, it, it bounced off. It, it jumped the, it jumped the rope basically. But it, luckily, it jumped the rope. Looks like it got wedged in the the station at the top of. Well, KMT. so it, it jumped the rope. It jumped the it jumped off the the line, at, but in the station. But it, it was by wind. It was they were running it in high wind, you know. And I, I thought that was the whole idea of building that thing is that they were going to be able to put it in a place that was that was out of the wind a little bit. But I, it seems like from what I understand and what I've heard, it is that that wasn't the case. And yeah. it, and oh, it, do they have ridge tops that are out of the wind? No, they don't. Are there ridges there? Yeah. That are wind they have some wind-free ridges? Well, I mean, come on. K like, KT can run usually a pretty it's good wind. pretty protected. It's pretty yeah. protected. But yeah. anyway, the, yeah, the gondola bounced off the line. And it was funny because, like, Moonshining broke the story. And it was, like, hitting social media. And, of course, like, everyone's, like, sensitive to that because of the old of the tram accident and other things that right. have happened there at the old Squaw Valley. And I... I it, I think people were sort of concerned right away that something bad had happened, but it was just, it yeah, just, it was, it's just, it's just currently shut down again. I wouldn't say it's a non, it was a non story, but it was like when, when moonshine Inc. broke the, broke the story, they were like gondola, uh, like gondola accident car offline. Yeah. Like all you can think of is a car fell off the line and people were in it and maybe yeah. somebody died, but it was not, that was not the case. It was not the case. Thankfully, it's but. just still closed. Yeah, they've been having troubles with that thing. I hope they can get that sorted out. I will say, dude, I'll, I'll throw them a bone, though, that I, I did make it to Alpine uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, and I had an amazing day at Alpine. Mm -hmm. And it's, kudos to them for opening the mountain, and it was an incredible ski day at that mountain. So well, there, there are still, there's still diamonds in the rough there to, to, to have. I want to talk about Alpine, but... Uh, I want to finish this other story I was going to say about Hennis Pass. So uh, this year, Hennis Pass has been crazy deep. So much snow in Verdi. Like we've been just, it's been the best year for back backyard skiing and snowmobiling from Verdi ever. And, but back in November, some guy drove a fifth wheel trailer like a big trailer up to summit <laughs> one on hennis pass like above dog valley but went above summit one like he's up on the shoulder of beacon point which is another like 500 feet above summit one so probably like 6500 feet elevation up the steep road thinking that oh we'll just park the trailer here for a week and you know get these great views of dog valley and this was in november this guy did this and then what did it do it snowed a lot and so this guy and then some more and then some more and then some more and at first i was i went up there like it was probably a month and a half ago and i saw this trailer i'm like what in the this guy's living up here what is he doing up here and there were two cars and you know like in the summertime there are some like shady looking people that sometimes like boondock out there you know but this guy looked like a like a regular joe kind of person like didn't look like maybe like questionable you know status but um so anyway, I kept, he kept staging his two vehicles. He has like a Tundra and like some Kia SUV at summit one with chains on pointed downhill. So the next time it snows, he can like drive down the mountain and get off the mountain. So he's been driving up and down this road since November. He's a packer. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> He's a for sure. He, he, is, he, is he still successful in, the, in that endeavor? Well, no, this last storm totally screwed him off. He lost it. He, so he, his tundra right now is buried and off the shoulder and like trenched. And the other, tr- the other car, the Kia, is still at the top of the hill pointed down. I, I think he thought, thought better than to try and attempt going down with that thing. But his tundra is totally stuck right now. And anyway, the other day I saw him. So I stopped. I was on my snowmobile and I stopped. And he's like shoveling out his tundra. And I was like, hey, man, are you living up here? And he's like, oh, not really. I live in Somerset, which is you know a, a housing community maybe about 10 miles away. And I, and I was like, well, so is this trailer situation on purpose? And he goes, no, that wasn't on purpose. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. And he's like, yeah, I didn't realize it did this up here. I'm like, (laughs) you didn't realize it snowed? I mean, it doesn't do this every winter, but some winters it does, you know, and this winter is a bad winter to not know that you shouldn't bring your your RV up here. But a great place to hide your fifth wheel from the HOA. (laughs) Because <laughs> they probably get on them for having it there in Somerset. That is true. <laughs> well, maybe we could send Scott up there to retrieve it. Because isn't isn't that what you've been getting into lately, Scott? Is I've gone out on a few missions. Mission, Actually, we, oh yeah, tell us missions? about your yeah, sled retrieval. I want to hear some sled sled rescue mission stories. Well, that guy needs to contact my friend Nick Bailey at Avalanche Technical. He is. I don't think he can get a trailer out of there, but maybe. He could get the Tundra and the Kia out, though. Oh, that'd be easy. Yeah, yeah that'd be easy. He could get that out. No, so let's see. When that the cycle came in, this would be last Sunday, a little bit of break between storms because mm-hmm. you know, we had some, I think, Thursday, Friday it snowed. Saturday was a, a nice day. It was broke. a break. Yep, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I Sunday skied, was, skied in the afternoon and started coming in hard. That was when we had the, the storm watch in effect for like four days through March 4th or something. Yep. Right, so it was Sunday, had a couple, two snowmobiles. They were going up Martis Road from the top of 267. They got in about three miles, and the storm was, was moving in. They went to turn around, and one of the two people put the snowmobile into a tree well, and and it was down there, like five feet down. And so they abandoned it with the storm coming in because they couldn't get it out. They dropped a pin and left. Now, this sled sat there, and you guys know how hard it snowed. From Sunday till... Sunday, Monday... Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night, I got a text from my friend Nick, who has Avalanche Technical. He does off-road vehicle recoveries, and he has this amazing 1,000-horsepower turbo quad with tracks on it. Whoa. And it is impressive what that thing will go through. And I met Nick about three years ago, I went out with him in Jackson Meadows to Wait, reco- cover a thousand timber horsepower or thousand cc. Thou- yeah, excuse me, thousand cc. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say thousand horsepower. Yeah, you yeah. trenched to China. Yeah, that that, that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a monster truck. You know, thou- yeah, thousand cc turbocharged, but it's a, it's a monster in its own right. 
And so Nick had texted me going, hey, do you want to go out on, on this sled recovery? Gives me the scoop. And at first I was like, no, I, I wanted to go play. I didn't want to work. And the guy I was supposed to meet to go sledding with, he, he ghosted me. So I had the coordinates, coordinates where Nick was going to be. So I ran up and I had his radio channel and I had my radio and got my sled out, radio. And then I was at the trailhead. I was coming in and got in there and it was deep going in. It was deep I'll on bet. the sled. And we got in there, Nick had found it and started digging it out by the time I got there. And there was one other person that went in to help on a sled. And between the three of us, those guys were setting the, setting the line. I was working the winch and we got pulled that thing out of the, out of the tree well. But then it was an older, kind of a vintage sled, probably 2004 not quite the mountain sleds that we ride today. And we had rutted the road up pretty good going in. So our plan was to drive out with the, both the sleds first, trying to knock down the trail with Nick riding the quad behind us. And then Kyle was gonna ride back in with Nick and ride that sled out, which is could it could that sled make it out? And all it that made sled? it out because we we got a good pack yeah. on the road between, you know, we had three vehicles coming in, three going out, and then he went back in again. So they were able to get it out. And how deep in the hole was it? It was five feet down in that tree well. Oh God! With another five, eight feet on top of it. Well, I mean, how much how, how much snow had come on top of it? Well, actually the. The tree protected the tree, it. It was in it. It was, it, it, it was truly welled. Yeah, it was truly welled. It was wow. the tree actually protected it. We probably dug down like four feet, like a four foot by four foot square in the snow to get to the sled to get it, hook it up. Wow, man, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> so, I, my friend James, he had. Uh, and this is unrelated, but motorized related, um, was plowing yesterday morning with his UTV and caught, I don't know, an is ice Is it 1,000 cc? Yeah, it's an 8,000 horsepower. I think it's 1,000, yeah. It always sounds better. 1,000 <laughs> horsepower. <laughs> he was plowing with his UTV and, you know, and it was funny because he's been talking for months about, I got to get a plow truck. I just got to get a plow truck. I need to get a plow truck. He has this UTV with a plow on it, right? And he's like, it does an okay job, but like, I got to go full throttle to throw the snow high enough to get it over the berm, you know, especially where he lives in Verdi. It's getting deep. Like, I've never seen that much snow there. So there's probably three. He's up a ways too. Yeah, he's up a little ways. So, and I, you know. Um, I saw how fast he was driving that thing the day we skied Verdi. Yeah, he's, he's rallying this thing. And uh, so we get a um, Swan John, my, my special lady and I were out uh, skiing yesterday, sunrise laps uh, in the backyard. And I get a phone call from his wife, James's wife. And she's like, James flipped his UTV plowing. We need to extract him. And, you know, he's injured. So we, you know, raced over there. And yeah, he was totally pitched on his side, like, we had to backboard him, get him in a car, get him to the hospital. 
thankfully he didn't get hurt too bad. He broke a vertebrae in his back, but he'll be recovered in two to four weeks. But like, man, you know, people are <laughs> like occupational hazards this winter, whether you're playing in the snow, just like riding your snowmobile or you're, or you're plowing snow or you're shoveling snow or you're even snow blowing. Like it's real. All this stuff is, it's getting like, I, you know, it'd be interesting to talk with someone who works at like Tahoe Forest or at Renown just to like hear like what kind of snow related injuries are you seeing? Because cause there's probably a gamut of them right now, given mm-hmm. all the, you know, because it's become this daily reality of, you know, living in the mountains. is just I'm absolutely snow. surprised that we haven't had an avalanche fatality through any of this. I'm really surprised. And, you know, that's, yeah. I, it's, there's, there's been enough snow for it. There's. <laughs> They've definitely been having them in other regions in the West. Yeah. And I know there's been some, you know, snowmobile-related fatalities. And, a lot yeah. of these cycles for us have been right side up and been pretty good. Very right side up, uh, yeah. We've been You know, lucky. we've just been dealing with a lot of snow too quickly. And, you know, I'll, I'd like to talk a little bit about just that, I guess, that storm. As you brought up, like, the time frame of that, Scott, I, I, I guess it, it's just everything's been such a blur. But, like, that Sunday to Tuesday, Wednesday was just – it reminded me – of the of the 82 march cycle and yeah. were, were you here for that you were here for that and, i was here for that yeah. and were you were you at all involved with what happened over at alpine were you there as part of the rescue at all or anything i was not there as part of the rescue i, I actually there was there was a break i think that storm started i've heard of like march 26 and that's the other thing is everybody thinks that that was a really huge winter it it, it was, wasn't until then. It wasn't until then. It was one of those miracle March things. It was all the end of March, beginning of April. But I caught a break. I was there at the beginning of it, and I was not there for the avalanche. I caught a break and escaped the madness. Hmm. And that was also the power used to go out a lot more back then than it does these days. You know, a lot of power outages and stuff. You should remind people about that because everyone likes to bitch about when the power goes out. Yeah, now it's like it, it goes out. <laughs> they seem to get it on and... 24, 36 hours, you know, they really do pretty good. Back in, back in the day, I think it was a Wednesday. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It would go out for a week at a time. Yeah. 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 So that, that's like this, just that last storm, you know, if if people, if people listening haven't seen the, the, the buried uh, documentary, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great documentary about the avalanche that happened in Alpine Meadows in 1982. Yeah, and, I second the motion. And yeah, it, was it was amazing. Really, really well done. And the the thing that that it, that sort of resonated with me this that that week is that I was out I was out a fair bit through that cycle skiing in the backcountry. I was out on Sunday. I was out on Monday, and Tuesday I couldn't find a partner. Uh, and, and get and get get into it, but mo- there was a moment Monday where we were we were you know sort of right on the verge of an, an elevation where we sh- maybe shouldn't have been, and we were skiing just blissful powder underneath it. But just I, I and as part of that documentary, they talked about how that storm just had a certain energy, and there was a roar that was happening, and and I can say that I, I heard that on Monday, mm-hmm. and it was just wild. Mm-hmm. To, to to experience that and, and like the, it it just had like an energy that I hadn't felt I don't think ever in the mountains almost and you know you knew it was heavy and we were back in the same zone on Wednesday and we were skiing this sort of the, from the same high point down and the terrain that was above it 
there had been a very large natural avalanche that had happened probably on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was an eight foot ground, you know, it, it, oh, it broke, broke out under some cliffs. And then as it came down, it stepped into some other, uh, uh, some, what you would think would be safer tree train, but even in there, it was like an eight, you know, it was, we were looking at it from maybe a hundred, 200 yards away. So it was sort of hard to say how, exactly how big it was, but, uh, you know, I think it was like at least an eight foot ground, but that, that storm was just wild. Like, well, they mentioned, t- so in the, in the documentary, they mentioned the word, t- they said it more than one time, more than one person said it, the word tinkling. Yeah. How the like, snow was, the snow was like glass. It was like tinkling and it had this eerie sound to it. And, um, I thought that was super interesting. Uh, it just like the energy, like the you, kinetic energy of it, yeah. the, the snow moving across so much terrain and, 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 and moving. And these are people who spend a, like, you know, we spend a lot of time in the snow and the folks who were, you know, in Alpine Meadows in 1982 spent a lot of time in the snow. And when they say like the snow was doing something crazy that day, like the sensation was there, everybody yeah. felt it. That's like, those are those moments where, you know, you got to have your, like, you trust your instincts. You trust your instincts. And you re- Something's and happening. And you respect Mother Nature. And I feel super bad, like that. The one patroller, who they were going to go and and bomb that face, you know, above Kangaroo there on like Looker's right of mm-hmm. the parking lot, um, which is where the slide came from. And they just it was so deep that they couldn't get over there. They just they were it was, and it was like a full on storm, and it was like waist to chest deep, and they just they couldn't yep. get over there. And then I the can't imagine. Happened. I mean, we were we were trail breaking today in, in almost waist to chest deep conditions at times today. That's insane. But but we had we had touring equipment on. Right. But I, those guys probably didn't have skins and the modern no. touring equipment back then. They were skiing at top down. They you know they were doing that route without the ability to travel through that kind of deep snow. Yeah. Well, also the you know the consistency of the snow. You know, we've got. This whole winter, we've had incredibly That's light snow so for the Sierras. It's yeah, it's been crazy. Powder's been getting me out of bed early every day. I've been having a hard time sleeping just because I'm so excited I about know. every day. Like, I wake up and there's just more cold pow. It's been nuts, man. It's been so good. So, I think we got about 10 minutes left here. We want to keep this to an hour 10. Okay, we're having such a good time. The hour already went by. I want to, um, Maybe just recap, like kind of each of us go through and talk about a couple of your best days during this last two-week cycle. Because um, you guys have been playing outside in the snow in Tahoe for a long time. And uh, so why don't we start with Scott. The past two weeks since that big storm we had, that blizzard we had, what have been like a couple of your best days, most memorable days since then? Don't say shoveling snow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's, it's just been handlebar deep on the sleds and it's, it's just been amazing. Even there's so much snow that we're sledding around the house, the backyard, you're popping rocks (laughs) and you're cut, you're coming off these things and you're landing and just being totally submerged. Yeah. And it's still effortless. I mean, just up to the handlebars on a 450-pound sled, and it's like tree skiing. It's pretty crazy to see. Um, it's like Utah, right? I mean, is it kind of like Utah, pal? I mean, I've had a couple good Utah days, but I feel like the videos I've been seeing of like 
Palbot's videos and, and your sledding videos, it kind of looks like... It was 20 to 1 snow ratios. Yeah. Well, let's Eight, put 18 it... to 1, 20 to 1. That's, that's definitely not Sierra cement. Yeah. Yeah. And I could say usually in the Sierras, you have no problem making snowballs. Right. I've been able to make pack snowballs for weeks. <laughs> the last time I can really remember it being this good was like February of 2017 was an amazing February where we actually had snow that stayed in the trees for like three weeks. Yeah. 17 or 19? 17. 16, uh, 17, that big 16, winter. 17? Yeah. Because that was the, the big cycle in January. Yeah. It was... Okay. Yeah, well, we had we got hammered in January, and then it was a good February. And it kept going. Yeah, and it was cold, right? So I remember yep. the February of 19, which is when we got 300 inches of blower. I remember that one, too, yeah. Well, so, and one thing I wanted to ask you, Scott, because I don't know if we've asked you yet. Of all the years that you've spent here since 1976, how does this winter stack yeah. up to all the other winters? It's definitely one of the biggest, I'd say... I remember 82, 83, which is the year after the Alpine avalanches. That was a huge winter. That was a big winter. year. That was a huge winter. This is on par with that, I think. And there says 2019 had some great segments to it. Yeah. As did 2017. Yeah. So 82, 83, 17, and 19 are the ones that. Yeah. And stick 11. Out. And 11, 11 was a big year. Yeah. Yeah. And that was cold too. 11 was cold. It wasn't, it wasn't as, it had ARs, but they weren't warm ARs. Yeah. Well, so that's what's maybe, in a, in a, maybe say what an AR is. So let's talk about that real quick because what we have going on, we've had this unbelievably cold winter, but coming in the next couple of days is an atmospheric river. It's like the, you know, I think maybe the weather channel, I think maybe Jim Cantori coined that one. It's kind of, you know, hype, hype up what it is, make it sound more sexy for uh, broadcast. But an atmospheric river is basically just this like subtropical moisture plume that comes and just dumps a bunch of warm air and, and moisture. And so it means rain, a lot of rain's coming for the lower elevations and it's going to wash out a lot of stuff and it's going to be carnage in a whole new perspective, you know, beyond just getting feet of snow. It's going to be inches and inches of rain. A lot of rain, potentially. Yeah. I think we're, we're not quite within the window to, for them to be calling exactly what's going to happen. Right. But it's close enough. And, the and you know, the thing with this winter, I think, too, which has been, is you, like, I like to look at weather sometimes and what's trending with it. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, it's so funny when you, you read some of the weather blogs and, like, they're always searching, you know, like, they're, they're, they're trying to write about and, and, and keep people engaged so that, you know, there's, there's always something down the road and then we're getting excited about snow. But usually when they do that, like it's trending in the other direction. Right. And the trend is that we're, the storms don't, you know, perform to what they originally hype. And this season's it's this whole season has been the exact opposite. Like yeah. every storm has trended almost heavier and stronger and, and, you know, with more moisture than, than it was originally like four or five, seven days prior to them forecasting it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, looking at this trend that's coming, like they're calling for six to 10 inches, 12 inches of water on the top end, yeah. which is a lot of moisture for California that's to handle again. Yeah. You know? I've heard, I've heard more than that. I've Have heard you? 20 inches. Oh my goodness. Which in 1997, we had 
40 inches of rain over nine days oh on top of 15 feet of new snow. Oh my God. So Is that how much rain it was? Mm -hmm. So we're getting, we have, we're getting half as much rain, so they say, but we've got twice as much snow. Wow. And we've got snow in low-lying areas. That's the thing. So That's the big deal. In Downeyville, at 3,000 feet in the foothills, they've got five to six feet of snow on the ground. And it's going to rain like buckets down there. And the North Yuba River is going to rage, for sure, 100%. Yep. And so that's, and like even where I'm at in Verdi, like Dog Valley, you know, that's at like 5,800 feet elevation. There's, there, we were ripping pow turns out there bottomless the other day. That's like six to 10 feet of snow right now. And that's going to be all rain. And that is going to come down Dog Creek and it's coming to the Truckee River. And it's going to be, so those like feeder streams at lower elevation on the east and west side of the range is, yep. they're going to get hammered. Well, what hammered. about Southern California? You know, they... Like, let's give a shout out to all the people in San Bernardino Mountains that, that was still, wild that are still stranded. That was freaking wild. They got dumped on, and they're still they're still there. Yeah, they're pillaging out of the grocery store that the roof the roof, collapsed. roof collapsed on. That was wild, man. I mean, eight feet of snow in Lake Arrowhead. People are like, look, I've you know, there people were interviewed like, I'm I'm prepared for winter, but I I none of us yeah. were prepared for this. We've never seen this before. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, blizzard warnings in like the San Diego County mountains. Like what? Global weirding. It's global weirding for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll jump in on my yeah, couple weeks maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, just yeah. been, you know, there's been, it, it's, I don't even know where to start. It's been a little bit of a blur, mm -hmm. but the quality of the riding and the quality of the snow is I think what st stands out to me. And I think the strength of that the, the one big storm from Sunday to Tuesday was was a little was just something that I you know I live for though I live for those moments uh, I live for storm skiing uh, I love I love a good bluebird day but there, I think the highlights for me were some of the storm days that I've had through this cycle uh, Wednesday I think last week and then also even today I think mm -hmm. were some of the deepest pow turns I've ever had in Tahoe. Oh, and that's, and, that's in, and that's in 23 years of me saying that. And, uh, I, you know, it was just, there was a whole bunch of this going on for like four days. Like, you know, every, everywhere you were skiing, all you heard was, was this. We're coming right back. Did you know, I, <laughs> did you know who this is? This is Ric Flair. I thought that was appropriate because it's just it, like I, it, I was doing that all day. It's today. been like even like you just woo -woo. hear, yeah. It's everyone's like wooing. I've been wooing a ton, and oh, I yeah. even think that like my snowboarding style has changed a little bit. Even it's like morphed a little bit over the last two weeks, just because it's been such blower overhead pow. Yeah, that like every time I do a Ric Flair frontside hack, which is my favorite thing to do in powder, just you know, blow it. is just blow it up yeah. and just throw these roosters. My ski partners have just been, dude, we can't even ski behind you because we always see these smoke <laughs> yeah, signals. I love that. But like I, my style has morphed a little bit. And I think it has something to do with too, the fact that I've turned into a hard booter. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I've just, 
changed my style a little bit, but when I'm when I'm coming out of those turns, like I'm getting super low in my like I'm almost trying to like duck under the wave of pow a little bit. Right. And <laughs> it's just shacked by pow. Yeah, well it's just yeah, I'm like ducking <laughs> under the shack, but even though I'm I, I'm not getting out of it, but I don't know. It's just been it's been such a cool ride to be on these two weeks. It's why I live here. It's what I live for. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that everybody else up here is, you know, is living for it too. And, you know, I'm, I just feel blessed that we've had it. And I, I hope everybody stays safe going forward in the next, next bit of weather. You've been stoked yeah. just shoveling your roof. Yeah. I'm t- <laughs> I think I, it's funny you asked me what my high point was. And I have to say almost last yesterday coming home after skiing and, and, and having a good ski day and then also accomplishing some work things that I got done at work. Uh, I actually had to do yet another dumpster mission. I've been having uh, a dumpster war uh, at work. So there's, uh, we've had an issue that we haven't been getting our trash picked up uh, because oh of all the, all the snow in the back alley. So I had to, after shredding Alpine, I was actually first chair at Roundhouse, got fourth or fifth chair at Scott and just had an absolutely splendid morning at Alpine. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's that my winners, this is very indicative, this story is very indicative of how my winner goes. You just have these crazy blissful moments to then all of a sudden like dealing with reality. Yeah. And my right. reality was, it's like, oh, trash didn't get picked up. So I had to bail on skiing and yeah. run over to work and load up a bunch of trash in my car and go deal with it so that the restaurant could continue to function for the next two days. Yeah. And I had my fingers crossed tomorrow that, that, the, uh, that the trash gets picked up. But from there, then I went home and shoveled my roof. Yeah, day in the life of Powbot, I got to say, you know, that, that definitely shoveling. I just, well, you sent me that video of you shoveling the roof and, and Nick down, like clearing out the dryer. The dryer van. And she's like, marry a snowboarder, they said. It'll be fun. And you're on the roof just jollying, like with your shovel, shoveling snow. <laughs> well, so for me. Um, yeah, let's, let's hear your highlights down there. It's just been. Down there in Reno. Like, usually I have to drive up to Truckee or, you know, what, like. Tahoe or, you know, Independence, you know, Jackson Meadows, but like, it's just been so good in the backyard and Verdi that I don't want to leave. I'm just like, why? I mean, this is the year of all years to stay home. Like there's amazing skiing and sledding right out the back door. So I'm just staying home. And so the other day we, um, Granite Peak, which is this huge treeless face. If you're driving Interstate 80 West, from Reno towards Truckee as you're coming into Verdi, there's a big, huge mountain you stare right at and it's a huge face. And it's just like high, I call it high vis FOMO because like if you, if you sink lines on that peak, everybody driving interstate 80 can see it. It's like a 3000 foot drop. And so, um, I was coming home the other day and saw tracks and I was like, damn it, somebody's got it. And so the next day I rallied a crew and we went up there and we, we put tracks on it. And then I get back home and just sit on my porch and look at the mountain and see the tracks. You know, it's just like, it hasn't been, we haven't really been able to do that these past few years because it's like too shallow or is like, you know, too um, rocky, you know, just not filled in enough. And then at the bottom, it's a total shit show of like, you know, manzanita and brush. You're pucker brushing. Yeah, you're totally beating the brush and falling into brush holes. But this year it's all filled in, like right from Gold Ranch Casino, you can go straight up the mountain. And so, um, that's been amazing. And then the sledding, like today we went out on a sled ski mission and went about 12 miles North, like off the East face of Babbitt peak, which is this amazing zone. Nobody's out there, but there probably will be now. 
but probably not because nobody's listening to this anyway. So I think we're good. But if we were out there, another huge face, like just beautiful. And the wind was blowing pretty hard and we weren't sure if it was going to be, you know, wind affected, but I had a hunch that the wind, the direction it was coming, was like West Southwest, that this was like an East Northeast face. And it was perfect, man. It was amazing. And we could rip straight up the mountain on sleds. Um, you know, and like, I just brought my, the other two guys, one guy forgot a snowboard. The other guy brought a snowboard, but he didn't bring a split board. So I brought my backcountry ski set up, you know, and I was like, well, I'm just going to park here and skin up and run laps. And so those two guys tried to side by side, but they, one of the guys is like this, like six foot four fireman. He must weigh like 230 pounds. And it was so heavy that they just, the other guy was like a little guy. And so the two of them trying to side by side up the mountain, they just couldn't get the, you know, the coordination down. So they kept getting shut out. So the the big firefighter guy, Casey, he was going to, ghost ride his sled off the mountain you know oh, like, just like yeah he he gave it a test run and he like you know took his hands off the throttle and the handlebars and came down the mountain and it worked fine his but when he went up there to actually do it he chickened out he's like i can't do it man i see this one tree down there it's, just, <laughs> it's like a magnet tree i know my sled's gonna go right into it and so anyway but we had just you know it's, it's been awesome in the backyard and it's the winner of all winners for skiing at low elevation so thankful to be able to have that and to experience it because i don't think we'll we might not we may not see it again for yeah, a while well, the, the the novelty skis have been off it's so good yeah this is a this is a one in 50 winner you one, think so scott one in 50 winner one you 50? think yeah i mean these are winners we dream about it's like like mavericks big wave surfing right yeah yeah this is the year when it's breaking well yeah and it's and it's going to keep going like you know I, I read something that said that uh that La Niña's, the historical trends of a La Niña winter indicate that the bulk of storms occur at the beginning and at the end of the season. Right. So we, so we could be in a pretty wild ride here still for another month or two. Well, April's always a stormy month. April is not the you know happy spring month that people think it is around Tahoe. It's no matter yeah. what kind of year we have, it's usually April is always unsettled and always kind of stormy. Yeah. Well, you heard it from the man, Scott Kessler, our guest tonight. One in 50 winner in Tahoe. I'm thankful. All time. To have been here for that. Uh, we're thankful, Scott, for you to join us tonight. Thanks for hosting um, us, bud. At your rad workshop here in Hirschdale. Um, and we're, yeah, we're looking forward to the rest of the winter and getting out there and getting deep and putting your mind in the track. <laughs>